Thank you for tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Are you looking for a special gift for a preteen or teen reader? Consider The Seventh Son by Lonnie Forbes. Mayana is one of six royal daughters. Only one young woman will become empress, while the others will lose their lives. By chapter 17, I understood that The Seventh Son is the first book in a beautiful allegory. Even as I invested in Mayana's story, this allegory made me consider my own life. What does my God truly require of me? Am I simply doing religious rituals because that's what I've been taught? Or is there something more to them? This is a beautifully written story that gets readers to look at truth, love, and sacrifice in a unique way. Check out Lonnie's Forbes book, The Seventh Son. On this week's podcast, I interviewed Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins about their book, Full Circle Parenting. We talk a lot about the crucial conversations we all need to have with our kids. But I found in my 32 years of parenting, yes, that's a lot, that our kids truly listen when we focus on the relationship first. There are tons of books and blogs that teach us how to be a good parent, but it's really pretty simple. Being a good parent can start with changing a few habits. Don't believe me? Try one of these simple habits every day throughout the next five days and watch how it transforms your family and your home. So what's the first habit? Number one, smile. When we smile at our children, it's showing them love and acceptance. Our smile eases our children's worries. Our smile calms them. Our smile breaks down walls, causing our kids to open up to us. Our smile shows our children that they are accepted and loved. Make a point to smile at your child whenever you make eye contact. Let your smile greet your children at the start of the day and meet them throughout it. Okay, habit number two, speak softly. You may have seen this phenomena before. The louder you get, the louder your kids get. Or maybe your kids are already loud and you have to raise your voice to speak over them. Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) What to do instead? Speak softly. Whether it's asking your child about what he wants for breakfast or asking him to take his muddy cleats out of the living room, approach him, lean in, and speak low and soft. Your child will respond in the same and will be much more likely to follow your requests. Whenever the volume in your home rises, lower yours. Also, ask requests in a low, soft voice. Number three, say exactly what you mean. I'm the queen of what my husband calls beat around the bush. Instead of saying, please pick up your puzzle, 
I ask, who left this puzzle on the table? Is this where you're supposed to leave it? Also, for some reason, it feels nicer when I say, why don't you go clean your bedroom? Instead of, please pick up all of your toys in your room. But beating around the bush usually backfires. My kids don't believe I'm serious about my request. Instead, I'm learning to give direct commands. In a nice way, of course. And no one has to question what I'm really saying or if I really mean it. Say exactly what you mean when speaking to your children or giving a request. But don't beat around the bush. Be as specific as possible. Number four, solicit help. Somewhere along my marriage and my parenting journey, I got the idea that if people just see that I really need help, they'll offer it. <laughs> First, my family members are often too much in their own zones to even see that I'm slaving away in the kitchen. Second, they can't read my mind and they can't read my body language of me slamming pots in the sink. Believe me, I know I've tried. Instead, I've discovered asking for help really works and the more specific the request, the better. Please use this cleaner and towels to wipe down the table. And if you need help with more than one thing, list exactly what you need so older kids know the exact help you need. I need you to do three things for me. Feed the dog, change his water, and then wipe up any mess when you're done. Ask for help when it's needed. Don't play the martyr. Be specific with the type of help you need. Finally, remember your requests make it easier for kids to follow. Okay, number five. Surrender your idea of who your kids should be. Before my kids were born, I had an expectation of what parenting would look like and how my kids would be. One of my greatest struggles has been trying to fit my kids into my ideals. Doesn't work. Instead of discovering my children's unique personalities, talents, or struggles, I thought I knew who they should be. But when I embrace my children just as they are, I am better able to understand how to train up each unique child. So sit down and write out each of your children's strengths and weaknesses. Then write down what you can do to help or develop her strengths or his strengths and what you can do to combat those weaknesses. If your child is old enough, discuss these things with her and then choose one area to work on in a week and remember to praise them. So Right now, we're going to be jumping into this conversation about having conversations with our kids. But remember, when you smile, speak softly, say exactly what you mean, solicit help, and surrender your idea of who your kids will be, those conversations will go so much better. Well, friends, today we are talking about parenting. Now, as a mom of 10, I have to say, first of all, parenting's harder than I ever thought because I never thought I'd have this many kids, but also it's harder because there's so much going on in life. I mean, I thought things were hard in the 80s when I was in high school, and then there's so many things pressing on us, pressing on our kids that we really have a tough job. And I'm thankful today that today's guests are going to help us talk about some of these things and help us navigate parenting. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins have been married for 26 years and have eight children. They have served at Family Church since Jimmy became the lead pastor in July 2008. And under Jimmy's leadership, Family Church has grown to a network of neighborhood churches in South Florida. Their family is 
uh, passionate about their mission to build families by helping them discover and pursue God's design. So welcome, Jimmy and Kristen. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, we love talking to someone with 10 kids so we can be like, you know, complete amateurs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I love how, I mean, our kids, seven of them are adopted. So I want to say we almost cheated because I didn't carry all 10 of them. But some of the issues we've had to face have been like, because we adopted teenagers. Let me just oh, say wow. that's the hardest thing, hardest thing I've ever done. But tell me a little bit, and either one of you can jump in, but tell us a little bit about your book, Full Circle Parenting, and why you wanted to have this be a book that can really help parents. We we uh, have been working with parents for a long time. You know, before we even had kids, we were involved in student ministry, which is the craziest thing that they would let 20-something-year-olds uh, be in student ministry, but they <laughs> did. And so uh, while we didn't know what we were talking about, we certainly didn't lack confidence and uh, the, the confidence that you can only have when you have no actual kids of your own. And so we, we began to uh, work with parents and talk to parents and think about these things. And then very early on in our marriage, we began to have children. And what we discovered, Trish, was that if you have good theology, then that will set up good strategies, which will create good conversations with your kids. And we found that that's true, whether a family is a, a single parent, uh, uh, what would commonly be referred to as an intact traditional family, whether it's a blended family or some kind of non-traditional family. It's amazing how good theology creates good strategy that creates good conversations. That is so good. And the, the subtitle is A Guide for Crucial Conversations, which uh, when I saw this come across my desk, I'm like, yes, please. I need to talk to these people. Um, I mentioned we've adopted seven. The youngest we adopted was a newborn. The oldest we adopted was 15. And there's times John and I climb into bed and I'm like, I cannot believe the conversations that we just had today. Um, whether, you know, just so many things going on in the lives of kids today. And I think so many parents shy away from having conversations. They don't know what to say. They don't want to bring up tough subjects, but the kids are hearing a lot out there. So Kristen, I would just love for you to share your heart on why it's so important for parents to really have hard conversations with their kids. Right, Trisha. So these crucial conversations that we're talking about in this book are things that our kids, whether they're in elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and beyond, are having on a daily basis with Mm -hmm. someone, right? So they're having it, uh, whether it be through social media or in the classroom or on the ball field um, or with each other, with sibling groups and friends. And so someone is in our kids' ear about these subjects, whether it's marriage uh, and sexuality and gender, technology, substance abuse and alcohol, you know, bitterness and forgiveness. These kinds of topics are coming up daily for our kids. And so, you know, the scriptures tell us that the parents are our children's first disciplers. And when God gives the mandate of, of how we are to parent, he tells us that we're supposed to teach our kids in the way when they wake up in the morning, when they lay down at night. And so they should have mom and dad's voice in their head a lot. In other words, we're not with them on an hourly basis necessarily, but the words that we say to them should be ringing in their ears when they hear things that that are, are contrary to God's design or things that don't make sense to them. Um, and so part of how we do that is having these conversations with our kids. And you're right, some of them are shockingly 
difficult to navigate. But we have figured out that if we can continually point our kids back to God's design, and his design is so clear in the scriptures, which is such a gift to us as his children, that he spells out what his design is for his people. If we can keep that at the forefront of our conversations with our kids, then man, we've we've given them such a great foundation to think through these topics that come up so often for them. Absolutely. And my oldest kids are 31, 28, and 27. And, you know, during those years, I thought I could just shield my kids from everything, just protect mm-hmm. them. We were like mm-hmm. super cautious about what they watched. They mm-hmm. didn't have devices. You know, this is, I mean, this is in the nineties when I raised my first son. I still have a 10 yeah. year old, so we're, we're still doing the thing, but we think, we think that we can almost shield them and, but they're going to hear about things. I remember taking my daughter, we volunteered at the crisis pregnancy center and I led a teen mom support group. And all of a sudden I realized like she's eight or nine and she's helping babysit. And I'm like, this is wonderful. She's volunteering. And some of the things she'd overhear about two girls had the same boyfriend. I mean, just the stuff. And I remember driving right. home from these meetings and like, first of all, I thought I'm the worst mom ever for for having her in this situation. But what I realized now that she's 28 and she's a missionary and lives in Europe is that all those conversations we had on the way home about, well, what is God's design? Why does he say we need to you know, wait to have sex until marriage and all these things, those conversations that we had ended up building this foundation for her that I was just thinking, like, I'm just trying to, like, make up for all the horrible things that she just heard. But it was wonderful looking back, seeing that we had those conversations early, and she had a foundation to stand on when other things came up in the future. Yeah, and kudos to you for being willing to not only engage her in some of the dirty, uh, messy work of ministry with real people, but also for your willingness to be transparent and just kind of jump in because, you know, as parents, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. We're, we're caught off guard half the time anyways. And uh, I don't know if you feel this way and your husband does, but sometimes we don't even know what we think about every single subject, which is why managing oh, yeah. towards <laughs> design is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some of the tough issues because I know you guys don't shy away from them in the book. So what things that parents might be feel like they're, ill-prepared for when these topics come up and what um, truths can we share with our kids about what God's word says about them? Well, let's just take one of the most common ones that's in our, in the news media and society every day right now. And that's the issue of marriage and sexuality and, you know, Mm -hmm, gender. mm -hmm. And so, you know, my goodness, Trisha, there's so much out there and so much changes. It feels like sometimes on an hourly basis of what the rules and how to navigate that and the pronouns and the, you know, the different letters we're supposed to understand what they mean and um, inclusivity and all these things. And so, you know, what what is crucial for parents is that we always have God's truth in front of our kids. Mm-hmm. We can't possibly keep up with the, the, the trends of what's happening in this arena of marriage and sexuality, but we can know what God says and how he designed us to work together. And if we can focus our conversations on what God has for us, then we have this jumping off point for these conversations. And so even when things come up that we may be unclear on, 
we can always go back to God's design and he has made himself known to us through his scriptures. And he's very clear about his design for man and woman and marriage and how we're supposed to navigate these relationships. And so that brings such comfort to me as a mom, because I don't have to keep up with all the the changing uh, culture, cultural changes, but I can know what God says and I can live that out in front of my kids. And then I can be ready to have these conversations with them. Well, I just think having some handles that come from the Bible that we can just say, Hey, I don't, I don't know every deviation or derivation that, you know, that, that people are going to come up with when it comes to mm-hmm. these areas. But, but if we can say, hey, look, uh, God definitely created uh, maleness and femaleness and uh, genders uh, and, and, and uh, is God's creation. We believe that gender follows biological sex gender and biology should be yeah. should go together shouldn't be shouldn't be taken apart um, we do believe that uh, sex is a gift of God designed for Christian marriage and that marriage um, is in between uh, one man and one woman for life if we can just have some handles that parents could hold on to that they could share with their children because if you don't have these handles boy every time you open the newspaper or turn the TV on or every time your kids watch a, tic- a TikTok video, you're going to be knocked off your pen. So you've got to hold on to this original design. It's right there pretty clear in scripture. Yeah, I I love that so much. And what I love is that, I mean, there might be parents out there going, I do not want to talk about these things with my kids. You are really scaring me right now because I do hear it. I see it on the media. I see it on on social media. Um, But what I love is your three circles, which is the why it's full circle parenting is we have God's design. Like we know what the Bible says we have God's design, but all of us sin. And I think that's so important to share with our kids. Like we can easily point to other people, like look what they're doing or look what they're doing, but all of us sin. And then there's brokenness. And then as you go around the circle, when we repent and believe we have the gospel and then we can recover and pursue and go back to God's design. And so we're not just like pointing out faults of other people, like look what other people are doing, but we're looking at ourselves and all of us sin in different ways, but look at God's design. And even when we're broken, we have the gospel that reminds us of God's design. So talk about that circle and really with anything that our kids come to us about, we can go back to this circle and it can really lead our conversations. It's so true. And what's beautiful about the gospel is the gospel has the power to save. And we we are counting on that as Christians. But the gospel also informs our day-to-day living. And so we do have mm-hmm. what you've already mentioned is God's design. And we must put that in front of our kids because that's the starting point. And yet you're right. Um, you know, Jimmy and I say that a man center and a woman center get together and make a bunch of little centers and that's our children. And or now you can adopt little centers. <laughs> you've adopted little centers. We, we adopted them. Yeah. <laughs> and now, and now two of our kids are married. We, our two oldest sons are married to our beautiful daughter-in-laws and they've created grand centers. And so we have this sinfulness <laughs> that is roaming around in the Scroggins home and we see it out in the world and we see it in our friends, but we see it in ourselves. And so that is that is the point that we can really bring in um you know the need for the gospel and so you have god's design and yet when we depart from god's design through sin we enter into brokenness and trisha this is where the brokenness in our society is so obvious there's so many examples of how this is true in our society and in our own lives when we sin. And so this is such a great place to have conversations with our kids because it's easy and apparent and in the news all of the time. 
And yet, so then the only remedy for our sin and brokenness is the gospel, is to repent and believe. And then God gives us this gracious gift of redemption. And so when we repent and believe, then he redeems us and we're able to recover and pursue God's design again, right where we are. You know, he doesn't, when we find ourselves in sin or our kids find themselves in sin, he doesn't just erase all of it or give us amnesia of of the things that have happened, but he allows, he picks up these broken pieces and allows us to recover and pursue his design from where we are. And so we have to tell our kids all of it because all of it is part of who God is. And so if we're only holding up his design and we never talk about sin and the ability to be redeemed from our sin, we've only given our kids just a partial picture of who God really is. And really, he's, that's not God at all. Oh, that is so good. And I think so many times as parents, especially, we feel like we have to like do everything right and not can, you know, we want to hide our sins from our kids and we don't want to ask for forgiveness. And we, you know, we just want to seem like we have our act together. But I found that the more I confess, the more I ask for forgiveness, the more I come to my kids and like, man, mommy really messed up. I'm so sorry. Then they're more willing to do that too. And it was interesting because we adopted, I mentioned before, teenagers. So I have written books. I had an abortion when I was 15, which is something I really regret. I was a teen mom at 17. Um, So I've written about some of these things. And some of the first meetings with our girls, um, they had read some of my books. And so they like right from the beginning was like, what was it like being for a teen mom? And I'm like, wow, I had no mask to wear. Because it was, no hiding, was it. no hiding. There was no hiding, but it was also really good because it wasn't like, we're, we're these Disney parents that are adopting you from foster care and whatever, like everything's perfect. And they already saw my brokenness and they read about like some of the pain from the past. So I think in a way that really started us in a good place where we could just have these very real conversations, even though at the beginning, I'm like, man, I at least wanted you to think I was like, I had my act together when we first met, but it was actually a good thing for us to like, for them to see like, oh, wow, she's struggled a lot because then they bring their struggles to me. And I think that's so important, Trisha, because I think in sometimes in the Christian world, there's so much pressure to be perfect. And boy, mm-hmm. I think parents really feel that. I can't tell you how many moms and dads have come to us in our own church where I'm the pastor and said, you know, we have this going on with our child or, you know, our daughter's a lesbian or our son's transitioning or whatever. And please, please, please don't tell anyone in our church. We don't want anyone in the church to know. And I feel horrible when they say that because my gosh, if you can't share where you're wounded with your own church family, what are we doing wrong? And we've just got to be much more graceful as Christian people, as moms and dads, because when 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 our kids see mom and dad as uh, people who forgive easily and love mm-hmm. unconditionally, it's so much easier for them to believe that God forgives easily and loves unconditionally. But when they see parents as almost pharisaical rule enforcers, then boy, they they tend to get a picture of God as a pharisaical rule enforcer. And so I really think as Christian moms and dads, we have this incredible opportunity and an incredible responsibility to try to forgive easily, love unconditionally, and to Kristen, you always say we got to stay in the game with our people.
book lovers, imagine what it would be like to see the spoken words of a gifted storyteller crystallizing into tangible objects right before your eyes. This idea was what drew me into Lindsay A. Franklin's debut fiction novel, The Story Peddler. But great news is there are two more in the series, The Story Raider and The Story Hunter. You are going to love these award-winning books. Lindsay Franklin is a wonderful author. She's a homeschooling mom of three. But the best part is, once you start her stories, you're going to be entranced. As if you were drawn by a story weaver. Check out all Lindsay's books wherever books are sold. So what do you mean by stay in the game? I want to hear more about this. Well, when you think, you know, our parenting is supposed to reflect, you know, the the image of God that he has, you know, born on us. And so as we parent our kids, we, we've got to show them the redemptive part of God's plan. And so um, it's not that we escape consequences. It's not that God glosses over our sin. He's extremely clear in his word that he wants us to be holy as he is holy. And yet he's so gracious to us because he he lets us move forward. And so, you know, we say that God stays in the game with his people. And there's so many examples in scripture about that and how, you know, King David and um, Solomon and how about Peter and, and, you know, the apostle Paul, all of these people had, you know, major sin going on in their life. And yet God chose to redeem and restore and use these broken people to, to um, propel his, his mission forward. And so he stays in the game with us. He has this covenant love that he um, pours over us. And that is the kind of parenting that we have to show our kids that no matter what, we're going to stay in the game with them. You know, Jimmy tells our sons, I'm on your side, no matter what. And that doesn't mean that we're going to pretend like everything they do is fine because that's not loving. But we are always in the game with them. We're always showing them that there is a way forward should they choose, if they find themselves in sin, should they choose to repent and come back to the Lord. He's waiting, just like that father was waiting on the front porch for the prodigal son. He was waiting with open arms for him to return. And that is how we are to parent. And, you know, we, we can get in the weeds here. Some some of your listeners may be thinking, well, my gosh, you know, I have an eight-year-old. I mean, they're not transitioning. They're not, you know, they're, uh, hold up. She stole a cookie from the cookie jar. But, but these conversations are crucial, even in those stages. It's not just the heavy things that we've been talking about so far, but even things like telling the truth, having good friendships, you know, um, being a great forgiver and being quick to ask for forgiveness. All of these conversations are crucial conversations that we have with our kids because we're constantly pouring into them the truth of God's word and his design and his plan for them. And it gives them this foundation and this strength and honestly, this courage to move forward in their relationship with the Lord, no matter what's going on around them. Absolutely. Cause they, if they can trust that we're going to be there for them, then they can trust that God will be there for them. I mean, I became a Christian. I was 18 years old or 17 years old. I was pregnant and it was my mom and grandma's church that reached out to me that gave me a baby shower. And I remember the day I like said, God, I give you my heart. I thought of those women and I thought, man, 
if they still love me, maybe God still loves me too. And I was willing to take that step of faith from the example of those women. I think we can be that to our kids. Like, man, if mom and dad keep loving me, even though I have messed up big time, um, maybe God does too. And I think that that can, even though it's hard, like we've had kids come to us and share very hard things. I'm like, even before the like, mom, I need to talk to you. I'm like, I don't think I want this conversation right now because I know, but, but the fact that they are coming and talking to us about it um, is a big thing. So let's talk about like, if you get to the place where we want everyone to get to the place where you're having these conversations and you know that you can tell by the look in your kid's eye uh, that it's going to probably be a hard conversation. How can we handle that? as a parent, because I think sometimes, um, you know, all these emotions are going on within us that how can we be there and support our kids, even though we're thinking like, this is not something I want to be talking about right at this moment. Yeah, well, I'm going to have Jimmy answer this because he's the best at this question. But I will say that that parents and especially moms, I think we're poor at this, that we must practice having a good poker face that we have to just decide (laughs) ahead of time. No matter what they tell me, I'm not going to act shocked or like I'm getting knocked off my pins because you're exactly right, Tricia. The fact that they're coming to talk to you about it at all is a huge Mm -hmm. parenting win. And, you know, it's our, it's our bent as children, children of God, children of our earthly parents to hide, you know, just like Adam and Eve did when they sinned. It's our, it, and so I don't want to do anything since I know that that's the natural bent of my children. I don't want to do anything as a parent to cause them to do that more than they're already naturally inclined to do. I don't want to become a stumbling block to them in their sin. So the way that I respond when they first start talking is huge. But Jimmy, what, what would you say? Yeah. Well, I think the poker face is a big deal. And I just think that, um, you know, when kids come to us, even with problems, they're, they're kind of checking to see if our message of grace and redemption and unconditional love is true. And so the fact that they're willing to take the risk to share something painful, difficult, or something that they may know has is going to have big consequences for them. Um, to, tells you that you are being tested and it's the right kind of a test yeah. because we should all be able to pass that test as parents. And we do love you unconditionally. We, we are going to be here for you and whatever's going on. Um, you know, we're going to help figure this out and we're going to work on it together and whatever consequences come, we're, we're going to come alongside you and help you bear those consequences uh, however we can. And I just think that that's exactly what God does. And we have to be, the ones that are the problem solvers, we, we can't go to pieces. We can't go into the emotional fetal position, um, not in front of the kids. I mean, Chris and I have had multiple times where in front of the kids, we tried to be calm, cool, and collected. Then we went in our bedroom and cried puddles in the floor when we were just praying to God and asking God yeah. to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And I just think that parents, you know, this is where good theology really matters because if your kids share with you something that someone has done to them that was sinful or something that they've done that was mm-hmm. sinful or a combination, we we have to be good enough theologians to say, you know what? Uh, we knew they were sinners. The Bible tells us they're sinners and they are, they're doing what sinners do. But, you know, we have a forgiving God, a graceful God who gives them a path to redemption. So let's help them discover the path to redemption here via repentance. They're already... They're already kind of demonstrating repentance and confession by initiating the conversation. And so how are we going to help them move forward from here? And I just think having an upward looking, 
positive, loving approach to all of these things is a power, sends a powerful message to our kids. And if we can do that, it'll make them believe that God's like that. And it'll make them believe they can come back to us again and again. Can, can I just yeah. add one more thing is I, I think as parents, we, we f- get concerned and feel like we have to have all the answers in that one conversation mm-hmm. and our kids bring this heavy stuff up to us. And if we don't get it right now, we're in big trouble and we've just missed the boat. And honestly, I think our response to them by the way we even, you know, Jimmy and I talk about, you know, we tell parents, you know, that the power of touch is, is, is really important. So, you know, even leaning in and putting your hand on them and, you know, just comforting them and letting them know that you're a safe space is really huge, but it's also okay to be really honest with your kids. I mean, there might be things that they bring up that you just are, you don't know, you don't know the answer. You also may not be ready to explain everything that you know in that moment. And it's okay to just listen to them and affirm them and them coming to you, remind them that you're going to love them no matter what. And you may have to table the conversation due to time. Maybe they drop something on you that's super heavy right before they get out of the van to go to ball practice and you don't have time to finish your conversation. But one of the gifts that God gives us as parents, even though we know, uh, you and I know that we have older kids that the, the years are short, but those years are still made up of a lot of days and a lot of opportunities for us to have continued conversation with our kids. And so if we need to say, you know what, you've brought something to me that's really heavy and that's been on your heart for a long time. And I'm so grateful you trust me with this, but I'm going to need a a little bit of time to process this. What about if we pick this conversation back up in an hour or tonight after dinner? Or I just, I just want parents to feel okay with that, that they don't have to have all the answers in the moment that their kids bring something to them. Great point, honey. Very good. Yeah. And that's so good too. And I think um, there's been so many times that my older kids will come and there's little kids around. I'm like, okay, we definitely need to talk about this later. Um, and they, <laughs> yes. they won't, they won't spill all the details, but they'll be like, mom, I need to talk to you about whatever. And I'm yeah. like, okay, but they know, like you could, you know, say they know that I will come back around. And I think that's what we need to make sure to do when we do say, we're going to come, we could talk about this tonight, say, okay, are you ready to talk about that? Or, um, and I know also too, when emotions are peaked. Uh, maybe some, you know a kid is feeling either guilt or overwhelmed or they're upset about something and the emotions are peak. It's even better for all of us to let those emotions even settle down a little bit. And that's where it's really good to come around. And I would say when the emotions are peaked, they're, you know, Diana, the thinking brain is kind of turned off. And so many times in those emotional moments, like you said, we could be there, we could love them, we could talk to them about it and then say, um, you know, let's, let's pick this back up later. Cause if our emotions are peak, often we aren't saying things that are helpful, that are useful, that can really uh, be a blessing to our kids. Cause all the emotions together can kind of overwhelm the situation. And it's okay to to come back later and to bring that again later um, and know that we are going to be there. We are going to listen, but give everyone time to kind of deal with those emotions too. It's that's a great point. And, you know, even, even sometimes when we have instruction to give our kids, I think, especially my boys, you know, we've got six sons and there's, they are super tight. They're best friends, but no siblings escape arguments. Right. And so you know, when my sons are in a deep argument and they're fairly frustrated with each other, 
I may need to separate them, but that's probably not the best time when their emotions are super high for me to start explaining the theology behind them needing to show brotherly love. They're just not ready. (laughs) They're angry. And so, yeah, we need um, emotions to settle sometimes even with our instruction and just come back later and have the conversation when their hearts are ready. I think that's really wise. And sometimes our own emotions settle down too, because, you know, your kids can share some things with you that can leave you feeling deeply disappointed or betrayed or upset or angry or, you know, whatever. And we need to be able to compose ourselves too, so that when we have a conversation, we're speaking with wisdom and grace instead of out of the place of our own, sometimes emotional entanglements. Absolutely. And I think when we first have kids, we think we need to solve it in the moment. Cause you know, if you have a two year old that's having a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store, you do need to solve it in the moment. But I think <laughs> as they get older, a lot of these things can be solved late. Like we don't need again to explain things in that moment. And I find that so many times in my life, I'm like, I just need to walk away or let them walk away for a while. I almost felt like they were winning somehow if they were able to walk away or stomp away. And now I realize like, Nope, this is good. We're all going to get a chance to get those emotions <laughs> calm down because nothing good is going to come out of any emotional exchange between kids and parents. So it's okay. Like, don't feel like you're failing if you're not solving it in the next 10 minutes. It might be, you know, 10 hours before you actually get around and have a chance. And often I'll sit down and go, so what was that about? Or, you know, you, you think, you know, or can we try again with that? Or I'll apologize. Like, yeah, I was starting to raise my voice and let the situation after everyone's calmed down, then we could talk about it instead of in those heated moments. For sure. All right. So as we are, I mean, there's so many things and I, I love this book so much. Um, again, it's full circle parenting, a guide for crucial conversations. Um, I know the listeners might be going, okay, this is some really heavy topics. <laughs> there's a lot going on here, but I would just love to give encouragement um, to those who are listening as parents of older kids and, you know, have, have been doing this a while, like I have too. What encouragement do you see um, just as we wrap in wrapping the show up for those of us who do take the time to have these conversations? What can we um, hopefully look forward to in the future? We know our prayer as parents is that our children grow up to know and love him. And so it's our job. We, we The problem is we can't force our kids to know and love him, can we? We, we all know that that's true. Anybody right. that's raised children. But we, the, the hope is that you do raise children who choose to know and love Jesus. But even, even so, the prayer is, too, that we have relationships where our kids know that we love them and that we're on their side and that we're going to be with them no matter what. And so it's, it's a privilege for Jimmy and I that we have two married sons. And several times, you know, in the past few years, uh, they have, you know, come back and said, hey, the things that you have taught us, we, we remember these. And even though we made fun of you for saying things over and over and over, we get it. And we're going to teach these to our kids. And so mm-hmm. they, they can't know what they don't hear. And if they don't hear about God's design for them and his deep love for them and his deep plan of uh, forgiveness and restoration. They can't, they can't know that that's true. And unless they see it lived out first and foremost through their family, 
they won't trust that it's true. And so the the privilege of parenting is just getting to be a light to our kids and loving them no matter what and hoping that along the way that they will uh, cling on to this God that we've shown that is real and true and, and right. Yeah, and I, I think too, just Trisha, just just uh, fighting for the relationship that you have with your kids. And uh, I'd encourage Christian parents, especially, to stay away from ultimatums. Hey, if you ever do this, I'll never do that. Or I would yeah. just stay away from any kind of ultimatum because you have to fight for the relationship. Because even as your kids grow up, they're going to get to make their own choices, and they're not always going to choose exactly the way that you want them to. And that's part of why, why God, what it means for them to be made in the image of God. They get to make real choices that really matter. And respecting the image of God is part of respecting their ability as they become adults to make adult choices. And I think just recognizing that um, no matter what happens in life, um, God offers them a path forward to redemption, and so should we. And so there's just always got to be an assurance that we're loving them, we're fighting for the relationship with them, we're in relationship with them. Um, when they're doing great, we're celebrating with them. When they're hurting, uh, we're hurting with them. And we're just going to walk with them all the way as long as we have breath. And uh, I think if we'll do that, it gives us another day. You got, all right, so you did, like you said earlier, Trisha, you didn't get it all done or all said in this conversation, but let's stay in relationship so we can be in relationship one more day and have one more conversation. And then let's trust the Lord to do for us what we can do for ourselves. And my biggest encouragement to parents is that, you know, God created family as part of his good and perfect design. He didn't create husband, wife, and child, you know, child relationships as a scramble once Adam and Eve sinned. The family was created as his good and perfect plan. And so if he has called us to parent, then we know that he equips us to do it well. And so as we uh, you know, become, you know, learners and disciplers of God, we can have the uh, courage and the strength and the assurance that he's going to give us everything we need to parent the kids he's blessed us with. Oh, that's so good. And I love, I mean, you shared so many truths. And I think what I'm just summing it up, it all goes back to relationship. You know, if you have that child that is loving and serving God, enjoy the relationship. If you have that child that is struggling right now, enjoy that relationship and continue to love them and point them to Christ because both ways, um, you know, it can go back and forth and, but our, if our kids know that we love them and that God loves them, um, that it will make a big difference in the long run. So thank you so much. This book is so excellent. Again, the title is Full Circle Parenting, A Guide for Crucial Conversations. There is so much meat into it that we couldn't even possibly touch hardly any of it in this conversation. So I encourage you to go pick up the book. And where can um, listeners find more information about the two of you, this book, and all the other wonderful things that you're doing? Yeah, sure. So uh, you can buy the book anywhere that books are sold. A lot of people buy on Amazon. You can go to lifeway.com. That's our publisher. Um, there's actually a website about the book. It's called fullcircleparentingbook.com. If you want to know more about Kristen and me, you can check out our church website, gofamilychurch.org. Also, Kristen has an incredible podcast for moms called The Mom Village. It's a multicultural podcast with uh, three moms involved, and it's a lot of fun. And that's another place where you can find out what parent Kristen is doing in regard to parenting. Awesome. And I 
can take all of those and put them in the show notes. So if you're driving, you didn't get to jot that down, you could go to trishagoyer.com, click on podcast, and all those will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Jimmy and Kristen. I really appreciate all you're doing, all you're sharing. It just really resonated with me as a mom and just keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Trisha. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Trisha. We appreciate all that you're doing. Are you looking for engaging superhero stories? How about urban fantasy? You know, something your preteens or teens would be interested in? Meet Mercury Hale, monster slayer, paid vigilante, and hero of mystical realms. But the problem is, Mercury is not who he thinks he is, and he's not alone. This is a super fun series for those who love action, adventure, and superhero movies. These books prove that Christian fiction is expanding its boundaries. There are creatures with tentacles and blue ooze on the first page. What's not to love about that? Check out Mercury at Risk and the rest of the books in the series from Steve Raza. For tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again. <laughs>